0: Good morning, everybody. It is the weekend, and I am up earlier than usual with a hopefully future councilwoman. Her name is Haley Kim. I am Angel R. Talk, and you are listening to the Not Just NYC Talking podcast. Haley, please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do, um, what's going on?
1: Thanks for having me on here, Angel. I am Haley Kim. I'm 27, an adjunct lecturer at Hunter College, and I'm running for city council in District 26, which encompasses Long Island City, Sunnyside, Woodside, and part of Astoria.
0: Very cool. You know, when I first moved to Queens, I actually lived in Woodside. Oh, wow. um, Yeah, it was, I I loved it there. I actually missed that apartment. It was on a 69th street and fish just like one stop before the the jackson heights uh 74th the hub i loved my place there i moved out um over to q gardens but i really love that neighborhood i do miss it yeah, it's
1: a great neighborhood my grandparents
0: still live there actually there was a uh, did you ever eat at a place called el sitio does that oh. ring a bell it was a cuban spot that was right on that area um it's gone now it's been gone for a couple of years but that was one of my greatest uh (laughs) memories well one of the reasons i i moved to the area was because when i was checking it out when i had lunch i tried Mm. a few spots as i was going through and there's another one called la flor a small spot yeah it was it was nice and it just made an impression on me and actually helped me decide to move into queens from the bronx which is where i came from Now this this I found merely by chance, which I thought was very interesting. You you speak Russian, mm-hmm. and you you also happen to like a band named Kino. No, yeah, um, it's
1: a great band. It really is.
0: <laughs> now, for most people that won't know, it's an '80s band, an '80s rock band from Russia. Yeah, from the
1: Soviet Union toward the end. Um, Victor Soy, the lead singer, is credited with partially helping to end the the Soviet Union through his music, actually. He kind of galvanized a lot of very young people to, to revolt.
0: <laughs> well, he did since pass away. And um, it, well, here we are. I am 43. I have absolutely no connection to Russia, you know, in terms of uh, family or or. But I know the the band, <laughs> you know? so he did something right you know if he 's still reaching people all these years later all over the world that have you know no connection whatsoever, so that 's pretty awesome now, speaking of galvanizing young people and getting them to vote you 're a young person yourself, and I assume you 're trying to get people to vote right, especially now <laughs>
1: of course um. One of the bigger things, actually, with open elections, is I have a feeling that with every new candidate, there's going to be a slew of new voters who have been kind of waiting for new people to try and enter politics, and specifically city council for almost anywhere between 8 and 12 years. So uh, it's so wild to wait for uh, a new person to start running for there to actually be a real chance at least until very recently it was really rare for a challenger to beat an incumbent and right now because there are not many incumbents in city council this is like a really big chance for voters to come out and really change the shape of New York City politics from now on.
0: Speaking of beating incumbents, look at the picture you have behind you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was very surprising because uh, <laughs> that she took she took down a very a very powerful, long-standing Democrat. Actually, attended a few of his uh, uh, town halls. I was giving him hell about deporting uh, veterans. Oh, you know, how you you know it, it kind of pissed me off that people who serve the country, who may not, you know, may not have been documented or being deported, you know? So it's some of them injured, some of them with trauma, people we should be taking care of because they served our nation. And um, I took them to task on that, you know?
1: <laughs> we need people like that. Um, if I ever do anything wrong, if I were to get elected, I would want my constituents to tell me that they don't like what I did. Um, so that kind of thing is really important.
0: Hmm. yeah it i i i these days and you you can tell me your thoughts on that as well um i don't feel the majority of politicians listen to or care what we want you know we have um next to where I live we have a big hotel, and that hotel is um has been it has been used as a shelter, which i didn't have a problem with because when i came to 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 um New York City from puerto Rico. Uh, The the first couple of days we stayed with some family friends and then we went to a shelter as we were kind of sorted out. So I'm not against that. I want to help people. I support helping people, you know, Um, and things were okay. But then they start, I guess, when COVID struck, the hotel kind of became strapped for cash, understandably. And they lowered their rates to really, really low rates where uh, people are renting rooms for parties. They're throwing COVID parties. People are getting drunk. They're throwing bottles out the window. And uh, the the pinnacle of it all, the biggest thing was that we've had two shootings. People in the parties mm-hmm. having beef with each other and shooting, including a drive-by shooting. We didn't want the hotel be to, to be used for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still happening, you know. Um, we've had police out there. So someone's listening somewhere to our complaints and stuff because we did have police station like almost every every day you see a cop car there but we shouldn't have to resort to that to make the place safe and they want to put a jail in the borough i don't know if you're familiar with that yeah Yeah. Um. that i'm i'm also against obviously but but not so (laughs) more because i don't think it addresses the real problem So if you have um, COs here and inmates here and there's a problem and you move them here, what changed?
1: Exactly. So it's sort of a shifting of the issue from Rikers into other smaller jails, which really doesn't do much. Um, They talk about it being a community kind of jail, which I don't think it really makes that much of a difference. I don't really buy that. And... You know, people talk a lot about being tough on crime. I don't think you'll find a New York City politician who's actually pro-crime, whether they're whether they're liberal, whether they're, you know, conservative. None of us actually endorse the crime. We don't want there to be crime. And one of the things that you have to acknowledge is that if you want to be tough on crime, you have to think of the root causes. Because right now, with the jails and the current system, what we're doing is essentially punishing the crime, sure, when we could be making sure that the crime doesn't really happen to begin with?
0: Well, there's no reform, meaning individual reform. I do something bad, you lock me up with a bunch of other people who did bad things. They try to take advantage of me, I try to take advantage of them, and I may come out worse. There's no, where was the reform for me? Now I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do my time. I'm gonna come out. I'm bitter. I'm angry. I didn't particularly gain any skills. I didn't improve. Mm-hmm. So what? You know, um, I am uh, not against punishing people for wrongdoing, right? But I'm also um, I'm also in favor of helping them improve, helping them grow and learn. You know, um, I don't I don't feel like what they're doing with the jails is. Well, what well i think it's happening I, I i don't think there's any more debate in this i think it's actually happening with the smaller jails not entirely sure um but um the last i heard it's still on the table um but i don't see how that helps i you know i i don't think it's gonna if if i'm an abusive CO, i don't care where you put me i'm still gonna slap people up if i'm an inmate who's who's, uh, you know, uh, doing whatever, it's, where, you, where I happen to be doesn't change anything. The one benefit that I think can come from that, not necessarily for the community, is for people who visit. Mm, right. You know, where you don't have to go to Rikers if you're in, uh, in Brooklyn or, you know, in some really far place. You can now just go to your community, You know, um, which, as a human being who has empathy and cares about people, I understand that. But I'm also worried that, again, once in me being kind, I may end up allowing or creating another situation where I have another. Well, I I don't think I'm going to have shootings because I think people get out of jail. They want to get away from there. (laughs) They don't want to be anywhere near that place. Right. But I'm just I'm just concerned of what what happens, congestion and so on. You know, so it's it's hard as a uh, I call myself a constituent, you know, as a New Yorker, you want to help people, you know, but in the process of helping people. Now we're we're having a dodge bullets. So how, how does one reconcile that where you kind of say, you know what, I don't want it near me, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but it's how does one, you know, what, what do you think about that? Like on a personal level, like what are your, you know, because I know you want to help.
1: Mm-hmm. So you're asking about the the kind of conflicting desire for your own personal safety versus your kind of ideals of how things should be.
0: I I Um, think in that crazy mishmash of crap that I just said, that's that's mm -hmm. a very perfect way to... (laughs) Um, I
1: don't think there really has to be a compromise there. I think generally we do need more gun control. I think we have to acknowledge that we need gun control and that the laws need to be stricter throughout the entire country rather than in the city or in the state because people can go out of state to get the guns. So we have right. to, as a country, come to a decision that, you know, if we really care about each other's safety, one of the first things we have to talk about is gun control. And right. um,
0: and you know how heated that that is. Mind you, I am pro-gun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a pro-gun guy for years. As a matter of fact, that was one of the reasons for a very brief period of my life, that I was uh, voting right-wing because I wanted to protect my Second Amendment rights. But in that process of doing that, and I became exposed to all the other things that these guys were pushing, I clearly could not support, you know. Um, and I was actually uh, doing a lot of writing for them uh, in prominent platforms, um, but I, I was always at odds with them on social issues. Hmm. You know, I I just wanted to defend my gun rights, but in aligning with them and that one thing, all of a sudden it's like, you know, send them back, get them out the country, send them back, and all these other things that I was completely against. Um, So I had to, you know, remove myself from that. Um, But I, even as a pro gun, I'm sorry, I cut you off on that, but just wanted to kind of illustrate how we can be reasonable. Even as a pro-gun guy, I agree that in the country, the laws are far too laxed, Mm -hmm. Um, to the point where even I have said to myself, if at some point I lose my gun permit and they take my guns away because New York City, I feel is too extreme um, Mm -hmm. on their gun laws, um, but the rest of the country is too laxed. You know, so I've said, if they ever take my guns away legally and, and take away my permit, I'm just going to go to Tennessee. I'm going to buy a gun and I'm going to bring it back and hide it under my sofa. No Which one will ever know.
1: Yeah. Which <laughs> and is that's an the issue. problem. Yeah. And, you know, it is an issue. If we're not this isolated kind of thing, you know, we're part of a larger city. We're part of a larger state. We're part of a larger country. Right. And it's really important to come to a consensus about these sort of things which is that you know we talk about oh one of the common refrains is, oh new york city has really strict gun laws then why are people still using guns over there
0: mm, I, I i don't say that just to be clear you know um because no, um, no. i you know um but i i definitely hear that you know well, well new york city doesn't have guns well How come they have a lot of more gun crime than other places?
1: Exactly. See, that's sort of a kind of common thing that I've heard a lot. People, a lot of people argue when they're talking about the reasons for relaxing gun laws, which is people are going to do what they're going to do. So why are you trying to prevent it? What are you doing? And um, I disagree with that, of course, and you do as well. Mm. And... See, there are a lot of things that we can come to a conclusion about and we can say the end goal is this. The end goal is safety. The problem a lot of people have is kind of agreeing on the path, which I've also noticed. I don't think also, I've said I don't think there are many politicians who are pro-crime, right? Right, right. I also think there are many politicians who are pro You know poverty i really don't um at least in my kind of naive like little way (laughs) i hope that people really have their intentions are good it's that we disagree on getting there i've had a lot of conversations with people who for example right now in my district specifically a huge issue is housing which it seems like if we're talking shelters and we're talking homelessness Mm. um it's a big deal. It really is.
0: And especially now, I mean, you've noticed you take the train and it's, it's pretty bizarre.
1: And it shouldn't have only come to this to kind of bring this issue to a forefront. We've been talking about homelessness since the eighties, I believe. And we've had many, many ways of trying to relieve homelessness, but we've never put the money behind fully ending homelessness. I think there are people who think that it's not worth investing in. You talked about a hotel being initially used as a homeless shelter. And I think that also made bigger by de Blasio. I'm not going to say he was the one who like started it or anything because I don't think he did. But uh, there were a lot of hotels that are being converted into, into homeless shelters, which as a temporary fix is fine. But we need to think Proactively, what are proven things that have actually gotten rid of chronic homelessness in other countries? And the most immediate thing is giving people a place to live. It means converting whatever empty units you have into affordable housing units. Again, um, that is the end goal is to make sure that housing is something that someone in New York City does not have to worry about. And homelessness is the root cause of a lot of crime in the city. So you get rid of homelessness, you get rid of a cause of crime and you get rid of part of the crime rate again. And we have to think broadly in terms of things like that. What are things that people are are struggling with? What are the situations that have actually changed to cause the spike in crime? I think overall, the numbers have gone down within like the general decades-long scale we're still not as bad as we were in the 80s i don't think it'll get that badly but we do need to think about okay we're talking about crime we're saying we're afraid of crime what are the things that cause crime it's lack of opportunity it's poverty it's lack of a home and one of the funnier things that we've noticed during the pandemic is cops being called to deal with homeless people and which is
0: a that's a problem because <laughs> police are first of all um I'm, I'm sure you'll get to this but mental health in homelessness is huge exactly. because uh, how, how that's always that's always been the one thing that i have a bit of a confusion with because I'll use a guy in my my neighborhood. One time I was walking near him and he he threw a punch at me. He he swung mm. at me. So this is before I knew that he had a disability, right? I didn't know. Mm. I just thought he was just a guy walking up and down the block and asking for money and stuff. And he swung. He actually came in my my space and threw a big broad punch. I I boxed so I ducked under I mm-hmm. came up and I set myself up to throw <laughs> I was gonna throw a a right hook mm-hmm. but I looked in his eyes before I I responded and I saw no malice mm-hmm. I saw no anger I saw no hatred I I didn't see someone trying to hurt me I just I it was like looking at just a blank face. Mm-hmm. Like he had just performed his action which I perceived as an act of aggression trying to hurt me. Um mm-hmm. and I was in the process of defending myself but I realized oh this dude he he's this there's no malice there. Um so I did not I did not complete the <laughs> the the the, yeah. the left hook and I just walked away you know but if you're a hot-headed person or if you're uh I mean I don't, I don't want to attack police but say you're a police officer who's had a bad day um maybe you're scared maybe you're anxious I, I, I don't know and he swings on you you're gonna react more than likely and then not even a police officer your average person you know the average person would react and maybe tackle him or actually finish the hook. Don't even take the time to look and and end up hurting the guy when he's just mentally mentally ill, you know? Um, but you would never know that because you wouldn't get a chance. You would just knock him out and kick the crap out of him and, and not even – so how do you get a guy like that to stay in a home or to get help or to take meds or to take treatment – what what do we do? Yeah.
1: You also have to, when you give public housing to people, one of the things that have actually been proven to cure chronic homelessness because of issues like that, because it's so tied up with drug addiction and with uh, lack of mental health resources for these people, mm-hmm. is even if you were to give every single person a home and throw those services in there, put a therapist in there, put a social worker in there, who can actually help this person, that has been proven an effective way to kind of end chronic homelessness in other countries. And we've got a lot of research on this. And usually it's spoken about in the context of actually building more housing, like more public housing that has these services included. But I think we can broadly kind of, well, loosely interpret that and apply the both The immediate need of the home and the longer term solution of mental health and uh, and addiction services, on top of, you know, once they're done with that level, there's a level of actually getting these people into the job market, right? If they Hmm. ever get that level. And um, so once they're kind of able to be back in society. People who are there to help them with their resumes, people who are there to help them find jobs, who can help train them for interviews, who can, you know, all of that kind of thing. And that is actually really effective and it's cheaper than what we're doing now with the hotels. So why not have the cost effective and also humane kind of thing to do? rather than putting these really more expensive bandage solutions all over the place and you know not really mm-hmm. treating the root cause which is what we have to get to
0: and and people are quick to complain all of us myself included you know I don't exclude myself for now we all complain 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 but um, the 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 solutions require financial investments. They require politicians to 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 direct those funds. And um you know right now, um you know we we clearly have a problem with policing, right? Um yes. um and that's there's several things that can happen there. Like uh you ever seen Officer Tommy Norman on Instagram? No. Uh, look look him up. He is phenomenal with community policing. Mm -hmm. He knows everyone in his community, uh, Mm -hmm. and and that goes such a long way in making people feel safe with the police and uh, uh, trusting the police and the police officers feeling safe, and it's a community. Mm -hmm. Um, People are now talking when we have, you know, Black Lives Matter, where we're trying to address this problem, I'd say in the world, not just in the country, but, you know, at, at our level in in the country, in the city. And and people talk about defunding the police. Um, Some people talk about abolishing the police. I think the whole abolish thing is ridiculous. I don't have a problem with redirecting some funds towards those programs you're speaking of, because in essence you're reducing the crime. So you're reducing the need to have such a heavily militarized police force. that, that one, that's one part, but also um, in the community policing aspect, if I know you, you know, me, we're friends, it will make a safer community for everybody. So Mm -hmm. these things could be, they could be handled. Um, It's just, I don't think, I think people in general uh, don't, don't want to reason and compromise with it, right? You're gonna have the people who say abolish the police and you're gonna to have to the other people who say um, blue lives matter and, and that guy deserved it. So there's these two extremes um, in everything. Even if, if we were to get into the gun debate, oh my God, forget about it. If I brought you know somebody who's an anti-gun person or a pro-gun person and we try to talk, there will be absolutely no compromise none whatsoever. I think like I'm a, a rarity in that. You know, but if we people would be willing to compromise a bit. Um if politicians um you know were like yourself um, that would listen and you're saying that's what you will do. So if we have people like you that are actually listening to the people and understand it because you're from it. You're you you grew up here, you know? You came here um like first grade. Right. So you're, you've, you've been here your whole life. I came here kindergarten. I've been here my whole life. This is all I know. So we are the community, you know? So getting people like yourself, like AOC behind you into these positions, I love having her in there because she tells us what it is. Politicians, I felt they never did what she does in terms of talking about things. She tells us I'm sitting in this thing, uh, in this briefing, and here's what they want to do. And this is why this process is broken. She's letting us have an insight into things that we've never seen. So it, I love it. You know, I absolutely love it.
1: Yeah, no, AOC is actually my congresswoman, so I'm very happy to to have her poster up on my wall. <laughs> Very deliberate place as well, <laughs> I have to admit.
0: Yeah, well, of course. I, that was the first thing I noticed. I saw, you, I saw your face, and I saw AC. I'm like, mm, I know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: and no, I think she's also got a lot of great ideas in terms of she understands what some of the bigger systemic issues are. It's poverty. People, mm. they're being told, we have no money for education when we do have enough money for all these other things and you know we talk a lot about education we talk a lot about reducing crime another thing we need to do is to put money into public education and we have to yeah also sort out some of the things that go on with the bureaucracy of course and that is one of the steps but also putting if you look at what a politician decides to fund, you know what their values are. Hmm. It's so applied to what legislation that they kind of decide to sponsor and everything, of course. But that is a little bit more kind of, it shifts with things, but a politician funded what they funded.
0: You you also know who's who's paying for them based on exactly. what they fund.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and I think... Toward the, m- the middle of the Black Lives Matter uh, protests this time around, there were quite a lot in my, in my area actually. And there was a man called Donovan Richards who's uh, likely our borough president. And he spoke there. And I didn't vote for Donovan Richards, but I respected what he said at the protests, which is, uh, you know, these police have to get their their knees off of our necks essentially they have to stop killing us and I I was really moved by the speech I was really inspired and I thought okay he and I have differing views on real estate and things like that okay but it doesn't detract from how inspiring the speech was and then he rolled what he did very recently was to leads sponsor a legislation that amends the chokehold ban that uh the city council got uh got passed and i found that a real betrayal actually and mm. instead of saying people deserve homes no one deserves to be out there like suffering in extreme weather whether it's covet or not they deserve dignity and mm. that is Primarily, what I agree with with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the democratic socialists of America is people should come before profits. We need to show that our values are actually for people rather than outside interests. We need to show that, you know, okay, so we're going to be spending more money on things that don't make us that much profit we're thinking really short term if we think like that. If we invest in people, we're investing in profit as well. Like, back in the 70s when wealth was a lot better redistributed and when CUNY was free, for every dollar the city invested in a CUNY student, Hmm. we got eight times back in return when the student graduated, had a really good job, and was contributing to the economy. and Sure. Four years of investing in a student and longer term, if we're talking general education rather than higher education, K to 12 on top of higher education, sure, it takes a little while. Sure, kids can't vote. So politicians Mm -hmm. are less likely to to have their interests at heart. But we have to show people that we really care about what will benefit them not what will benefit special interests like real estate, like the police unions, like things like that, Um, like fossil fuel industry, all those things. And it has to be part of the broader conversation that people matter. And that's what I think she was really successful in doing it in the the New York City level especially, although now she's a national phenomenon.
0: oh yeah either you either love her or you despise her like some i i see a lot of people that uh because uh you know my my social media timeline is very diverse i have people who i know from my brief foray into the uh into the right-wing world so I've, i'm still connected to quite a few people um and obviously you know um most of my People I've grown up with are all Democrats so I see like one post will be a very pro AOC post and immediately below it it'll be the same article the same picture the same story with a completely opposite uh, description from the person which that that just sometimes I feel like it's it making me crazy you know like it's just like my brain is going rah, rah, because i'm i'm looking at these two very very opposing views right next to each other one right after the other and i'm just sitting there like this is crazy this is the 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 state of our country right you know and
1: this show actually way back when it was a lot of what you think of as progressive policies had a great amount of public support um yeah. back when back in the 80s back in the 90s this was the case and universally people were for things like letting people have health care you know um without it draining their bank if they got sick and things
0: like well look at know, the ADA the ADA was a uh, bipartisan just celebrated 30 years um, uh, um, thirty years of the a d a and uh that was a bipartisan effort it would never have happened if uh if if uh bush wasn't on board if it you know it just it wouldn't have uh it wouldn't have there's just no way if people don't work together some things will never happen you know okay. so you you have to have uh it, it just i mean that that statement about the two completely opposite um, captions for the same story with AOC should illustrate the uh, the state of the country. People are, are very, very strongly divided.
1: Yeah, very, and I think it, very. it's been kind of declining, this sort of unity that we were supposed to have. And we're divided on interpretations of what is a healthy economy or not, which mm. for some people it's the stock market it's you know dow jones it's numbers whereas for other people it's sort of more okay are people okay
0: do well, people like have small small business right you you you, you mentioned that on your website mm-hmm. and you yourself have some experience with that with your own family so uh,
1: my dad owned a small business until covid kind of took it away and I've been watching from the sidelines for the last 10, 12 years mm-hmm. how difficult it is to run a small business in New York City. The rent is ridiculous for commercial as well as residential units. And there are interests that actually really affect both. It's not you know, separate issues, it's connected. The same kind of people who have interests in the residential real estate market have an interest in the commercial real estate market. And it's wrong. There might be kind of debate on whether you tax the the landlords to make it easier for small businesses to thrive and get a, a smaller rent price, essentially. Kind of the way that um, over here, uh, residentially you have empty units um, you do half of the luxury condos that we've built in Long Island City are completely empty so mm. what do we do with that to make sure that the landlord doesn't keep mm. raising the rent right it's to tax them that the the unit goes you know the person who who owns the the unit should genuinely make sure that the unit is filled and that also kind of lowers the rent because they're kind of just like, okay, who matters, uh, right? What matters right now? Is it getting $5,000 for this one unit or is it getting $2,500 each for these three units in total? And taxes incentivize things like that. And there's a similar kind of thing with commercial rent. There are a ton of empty storefronts here in Harlem in all these different areas. And you have to tax it. You have to tax the landlords so that they have an incentive to to kind of lower the rent when they lease the unit out and That's one of the ways we can do it. And that's one of the ways we can support small businesses so that they don't have as big of a burden to bear when they're hiring employees. A lot of people I know would love to pay their employees better. Right, but they have to consider rent they do have to eat and so if you get rid of absurdly high rent they have more money to distribute to their workers and that's kind of part of how it works and also unionizing the workers so that they actually have kind of a say and more of a voice and they can push back on things that they don't like
0: it's it's there's there's so many things you know I've, like if, if you speak about one piece it it can it's like um i forget what it was called from programming we would do a tree hmm. if this then that mm-hmm. if that then this like a flow chart of uh of um sequence of you know ev- everything in, in you know you guys in politics would have have a tough job because everything you do has a, a cause and effect, and some mm-hmm. people are going to support it, some people are going to be against it, and everybody will have their their views, and it's hard to, uh, to get people, to as we, we've been saying, to compromise mm-hmm. on anything. It, it doesn't matter what it is. It blows my mind how we can look at the same exact thing, and you see one thing, and I see an entirely opposite thing. Mm -hmm. Even though we're looking at the same exact thing, it is Mm -hmm. absolutely mind-blowing.
1: And compromise is important, but also it's more about getting to that common agreement on goals, I think, rather than compromising on the legislation itself. That's what's important. I think...
0: How do you make this person see that? That's, you know... They're so stubborn in their view that, uh, you know, we'll use, we'll use the very controversial gun debate. You want to take my gun rights. You want to register them so that you could come take them from me. That's one extreme, right? Then the other guy is like, uh, uh, we just want to register them so that we know people legally own them. Mm -hmm. We just want to know that, that where they're at and that they're accounted for. That's all. No, you knowing where they're at means you can come take them. Because culturally, if I grew up in a place like Tennessee where I can just go to John's gun store and just pick up a rifle and bring it home, and all of a sudden I'm in a place like New York where I have to go to you know one police plaza um I have to bring the weapon they have to take the serial number, they fingerprint me they all that stuff is gonna be scary to that person so how do like getting those two people to comp because and and they'll always will reference and and I don't i, I, I they always reference certain historical events where groups of people were killed in mass as the first step was gun registration. Mm -hmm. So in their minds, that's the, the level of desperation that you taking their guns means. So how do you get that person with that mindset to compromise? And then you have this one person who's just entirely wants to get rid of them altogether, getting those two people to agree I, it is a, I don't know. I have no idea how we do it. In fact, I feel, and I hope I am wrong on this, that if it ever comes to that, we're going to war. <laughs> you know, I, those guys, I, I went to a place that was like a compound, mm-hmm. like an actual military compound. They had helicopters, all kinds of vehicles. Um, uh, I saw a tank. I'm talking about a civilian compound. That had these things nice guys very nice guys great group of people i don't i don't want to appear like i'm disparaging them they were very hospitable to me um they're very kind to me my point is that this is the guy you're gonna to try to take the gun from I'm, I'm, I'm not, let me rephrase that that that's the guy because i don't that don't mean you and i don't mean that that's yeah. what the agenda is that's the guy that this anti-gun person wants to crush and take away that stuff from them, how how it's not going to happen without a fight, you know what I mean um, and then I <laughs> don't want to bring up the gun debate that, you know because that, that's a three hour conversation <laughs> yeah, but just an example probably, of yeah. you know just like how do you get those two very extreme people on this very extreme issue to ever agree I have no idea I think
1: the interesting thing. Is that I've found at the city council level, there are people who are willing to compromise on not the the intention of the legislation, but on whether you get the legislation passed or not, because they like you personally, (laughs) which is really important. New York City is different from the national, of course, our Mm. focus is different, our abilities, our reach, our scope, different. From you know what someone in Congress can do, so one of the things that I've heard about was even to do with the libraries. One mm. Congress, uh, one city council person had a not great relationship with the rest of the city council person, and they were unable to get as much funding for their borough as they would have been able to if they they had had a better relationship with these other council members. And mm. another council member from that same borough who, who had a better relationship with the rest of the city council was able to sort of put the, was able to secure the rest of the funding that was needed. Um, I, I'm trying not to identify anyone.
0: <laughs> I, I, I understand, yeah, I understand. I don't have a clue, so you're good. I have no idea. (laughs) My brain automatically thinks left and right, but may not be the case. Maybe, you know, that doesn't matter. We don't want to say no names and, you know, we don't want to do anything like that.
1: But uh, over here in the city, it's not so much left and right. There are very few registered Republicans here in New York City. Correct. Correct. It's more about centrist. Progressive slash socialist. Um, mm. It it kind of comes to a point where I think the job of any progressive or socialist to get selected into city council is to bring the centrists into our tent. So um, we have to agree that the common goals are there. The goals are to make sure that people don't have to live without a house or a home so that they right now it's also really heavily tied to health homeless people we were worried that they were going to get sicker than, or rather that they Mm. were going to get at a higher rate than people who well or at least at the same rate as people who were essential workers right for Mm. a bit when it directly affected us people cared (laughs) um you know
0: and it was makes sense
1: should not have taken that. I don't think it should have taken that, but agreeing that people being able to have a home to go back to at the end of the day is important, should be an agreement. Um, A centrist and a progressive should be able to hold hands on that and pass through legislation that actually addresses these issues. Uh, whether it's a tax on landlords for empty units,
0: that's that would be the point of contention. How to do it? Exactly. Not necessarily we want to do it, but how? And that's mm-hmm. where that's where they're going to fight. That's where they're going to disagree. And that's where making that friend and having mm-hmm. a good relationship with each other makes a difference. Because if I don't like you, um, I'm, I'm not. You know you know angel i need this money good luck yeah. exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, good, lu- good luck with that you know yeah. as opposed to someone who's your friend or at least you have a good relationship i mean this is in in work and in, in every aspect in life you know hey um let's talk about this all right so i'm willing to do this if you're willing to do this and you you know Haley. um would you like to um, give like any closing remarks or um, how people can find you, how people can donate for your campaign, how, you know, anything you have before we, we, uh, we close for the, the weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, my website is Haley Kim for I'm hoping you can also kind of type it up and have a link there. Sure. Um, sure. I, I'm really happy to be running for city council and to try and meet as many people as possible. I think right now, New York City is at a precipice where we can really change how even the city looks like. Right now, it is it it is about unity. It's about having proper legislation and a proper budget that reflects who we are as a city. And I think what New York City is, as well as my district specifically is A district that really wants to make sure that we are all okay. And given COVID and given all these extraneous sort of circumstances, it's more important than ever to be able to come to an agreement on things like housing, on things like small businesses and how best to help them, on things like education, which we need to put at the forefront rather than as an afterthought. We need to make sure that. We address the root issues of problems rather than uh, rather than bandaging them, mm-hmm. and we need to invest in things that really can make a difference. And that is why I'm running for city council to put uh, for myself uh, socialist agendas in legislation. And I really do hope you donate. I think one of the more exciting things to be able to do is to be able to support a candidate you actually genuinely like and believe in from early on so that mm. you give them as much of a fighting chance as possible to make it onto the ballot and through to the primaries. So, again, Haley, councilcom Thank you.
0: Awesome. Thank you for coming on on the podcast and, and sharing your time and and uh, your, your views and it's been a pleasure.
1: I'm here, Angel, thanks for inviting me on In
0: here. You are listening to the NYC Talking Podcast. We are NYC Talking, the realest lifestyle blog ever. www.nyctalking.com. Please follow Angel R Talk on Twitter and Instagram. Please like NYC Talking on Facebook. Thanks for listening.